Gospel of Matthew this evening. and be finding that. Matthew chapter 9, sure is good to be home, good to be with our church family, singing and worshiping the Lord, thinking about how we're going to understand things a lot better one of these days. And that we, I believe that with all of my heart. A lot of things we don't understand, God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our understanding. But um, one of these days we'll know as we're known. Amen. Good to be here. I, enjoy, I listened to all the messages that were preached while we were gone. And uh, every one of them was excellent. Mrs. Wise did a great job putting those sermons together for Pastor Wise. And, and uh, we enjoyed it. We watched driving down the highway. We uh, got the phone listening to the, watching the choir sing, listening to the specials, and listening to the preaching. And, and so it's a blessing uh, having that technology. Appreciate the prayer for Brother Gibson. Some of y'all may not have uh, connected Tim Gibson. He's been here several times. He was here at our last conference. But it's their church that has the uh, printing ministry that we support there in Sweet Springs. We've supported them for many years. And um, so it just came as a, a real shock to them. Just that morning after she died, he contacted me. We were in Texas, of course. And and just, you know, devastated. So I appreciate you praying for them and for the service tomorrow. Appreciate your prayers for us while we traveled. Um, we were able to see some of our family that we haven't seen in a long time. About 40 of them together for a reunion, cousins. And um, the only one of my mother's siblings, this was a uh, reunion on my mother's side of the family, her dad's side of the family, and so um, saw my brother, spent some time with him, got to spend some time with my cousin Bob Smith, and we had dinner together. It was a blessing. I haven't seen him in four or five years, at least more than four years. Some of you may not know he had an accident. He had an encounter with a table saw, and it took his thumb and all four fingers off. That's about four years ago. Hadn't seen him since then. So, like Bob, he's always make, puts a positive twist on things. He told the waitress, waiter at the restaurant, he said, I'm a, I'm a little short-handed, <laughs> so would you cut my meat up for me? And he did. <laughs> That's Bob. Anyway, it's good to be home. Matthew chapter 9. Let's stand together. If you're able to stand, we'll read. Beginning in verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he, the Lord of the harvest, will send forth laborers into his harvest. You pray for more laborers, he said. 
And verse 1 of chapter 10 says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and disease and all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Our Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for your word, and we thank you that you've given us a perfect Bible and that we can trust and know that every word is inspired of God, and this is exactly what was transpiring in the day that Jesus walked here on this earth, going about preaching and teaching in every city and every village, healing all manner of sickness and disease. And at the same time being moved with compassion because there were so many people that were not being ministered to. And I pray that tonight as we look into this passage that you would help us. It's very familiar to many of us. Help us, Lord, to have open minds and open hearts to what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight I want to kind of go back uh, to the series that we were in some weeks ago on the shepherd and the sheep. Jesus refers to that same subject here in verse 36. They were scattered as sheep having no shepherd. Just kind of in review, there are several things that are very clear in the Bible about the shepherd and the sheep. Number one, it was, a, it was an occupation in agriculture that was very common in Jewish culture to have sheep shepherding those flocks. But also, we know that the shepherd and sheep relationship illustrates the relationship that we have with God, that God is our shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So it's a picture of that. It's an illustration of that relationship we have. We also know that in the Bible, the relationship of the shepherd and the sheep are lived out in churches where there's a shepherd, a pastor. And the, we clearly saw that in the Bible. We see that in the Bible. You know, Peter says that, uh, that the chief shepherd will reward the under-shepherds. Paul wrote, uh, spoke to the elders at Ephesus when he said, feed the flock of God that is among you. So we have all three of these pictures lived out. In, in human nature, human occupation, in our divine relationship with God and with our relationship in the church. But there's a fourth area that I want to just hit on maybe just for tonight, and that is the shepherd-sheep relationship is really seen in the Bible as a pattern for ministry. It's about, it's about reaching and helping people. We see this in our text. Jesus, when he looked at people... Jesus said they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were shepherdless people, shepherdless sheep. And so this is not talking about just in the church. This is not just talking about our relationship to God. This is talking about ministry. And so tonight I want to give our attention to that subject, really, is shepherding as a pattern for ministry. And as we read our text here, Beginning in verse 35, we see, it's a very typical picture in the life and ministry of Jesus. He's visiting city by city, village by village, spending most of his time, we know, in the region of Galilee. Doing what? Teaching and preaching and healing every kind of sickness and disease there was. I mean, this is, 
you know, in some of the Gospels we see where it would clearly say that every sick person in that entire area was healed. Everybody that had a loved one that was ill would bring them in, could be blind, could be lame, could be paralyzed, you know, could be any kind of sickness or disease. They could be demon-possessed, but whatever they brought to Jesus, Jesus often healed all of them. But in that, in that scenario, in verse 36, it says this, but... He's healing every sickness and every disease, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Even though he healed and helped really countless people, his eyes were at the same time on the unreached people, those that were not being helped. Now, by the way, this is kind of a lesson really for us all. If you or I find ourselves in a place when we're kind of oblivious to the spiritual needs around us, it's not an indication that we're Christ-like. It's not Christ-like to be blind to people around us. It's, it's natural, it's human nature to be so wrapped up in our world and our family and our problems and our occupations and, and our troubles that we sort of lose sight of the people around us, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was moved with compassion toward them. That's more than just a mild sort of sympathy. It was something inward that he was moved in, in the way he saw them. He says he saw them as faint. They were weak, and they were scattered. They were disconnected. You know, people need to belong. People need a community. That's why the Bible calls the church a flock. Jesus saw these people as scattered. They had no connection, no community, no help. They were shepherdless sheep. Are you questioning whether that is a real word? Shepherdless. My, my, uh, in my word, as I was typing my notes up, I put that word shepherdless and it told me it's not a real word, but I proved it wrong. I went to Google, and sure enough, it is. It means to be without a shepherd, so there you go. Don't spend any more fretting tonight about shepherdless. He saw these as shepherdless sheep, and this is how he described them in verse 37. He said, the harvest truly is plenteous. The need is great, but the laborers are few. Now, we're going to come back to this and spend our, most of our time here, but hold your place there if you would in and Matthew, and go to the Gospel of Luke. In Luke, this is Luke and Matthew, chapter nine and ten. Jesus is about to send out the twelve, but in Luke chapter ten, Jesus is about to send out the seventy. And I want to look at that. Just read a couple of verses. Luke chapter ten, verse one says, "After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, not just the twelve, but seventy others." and sent them by pairs, two and two, before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. They're going to go to every place that he would follow. Verse 2, Therefore said he unto them, this is what he said to the seventy, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. He said the same thing to the 70. He said to the 12, 
The harvest is great. The labors are few. Pray for the Lord to send forth laborers. In John chapter 4, there was another incident. That's when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, and she was converted, and that's when the, the disciples had left to go into town to find something to eat. And he said to the disciples, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. He said this more than once. He said it more than twice. Jesus was making a habit of telling his disciples that you need to look at the, the masses of people around us. And back in Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus said that, when it said that about his compassion and about the harvest is great, he said in verse 38, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. There's no reason for us to believe that that prayer request has been rescinded. We need to be praying for laborers. So here's the, here's the uh, kind of sum it up. Jesus is preaching and teaching and healing and helping people, but he's also very conscious of how, you know, if there was a limitation in Jesus' ministry, this would have been his limitation. He could only be in one place at one time when he was in a body, like our body. So he's concerned about that. And he begins, he's recruiting other people. In chapter 10 and verse 1, he sent the 12 out, and he sent them out to do the same, to duplicate what he's been doing, sending out 12 to do the same thing. He's recruiting others. He's, and then he's also commanding his disciples to pray. Pray for more people. Pray for more workers. Pray for more laborers. Pray for more shepherds, if you would, seeking after lost sheep. So with that as sort of an, a, a foundation, I just want to, I want to look at this matter of shepherding and shepherding as a pattern for ministry and see if we couldn't really kind of see ourselves as either shepherds or potential shepherds. And in, in looking at this, I just want to take a moment and talk about the value of sheep. Sheep are valuable uh, to the shepherd Sheep are essential. That's his whole occupation. That's his whole, you know, caring for sheep. They're, and as we think about people being sheep, sheep are precious souls. They're eternal souls. The shepherd would leave 99 in the fold to go out and find the one lost one. They're valuable. Everyone is valuable. The shepherd cares for the sheep. I want to read a couple of verses in the book of James, and I'm Coming back, right back to Matthew 9, but if you want to go with me there to James, just for a moment, because it talks about the value of sheep, value of people, and the importance of trying to help people. In James chapter 5 and verse 19, it says this, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, which clearly implies that a person can err from the truth. If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know. Let him know, the one who converts him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Sheep are valuable. Sheep are precious. Now, 
Um, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say, but healthy sheep are profitable. To the shepherd, they're profitable. Um, go with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs. At the end of Proverbs chapter 27, the wise writer of Proverbs talks about this subject, the profitability of sheep. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 23, it says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, the condition of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. Anyone that's been around livestock much, whether it's raising sheep or goats, or whether it's raising cattle, the, the rancher pays attention to... My wife asked me this question. We were driving out through somewhere, East Texas or Oklahoma or somewhere, and, and a question about how, how do you ever get these cattle around to ever know where, because they're scattered all over the place. And I said, simple, you feed them. <laughs> you know, if you've ever fed cattle, you know they come from everywhere. But it's, it's, the, it's the rancher's business, it's the shepherd's business to look well to the herds. And then he says this in verse 24. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation? The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountains are gathered. And then he notice this, the lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field, and thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance for thy maidens, for the supply of your, of your staff or your helpers. In other words, Healthy sheep are profitable. The, the sheep sustain the household. The sheep provide the meat. The sheep provide the milk. The sheep provide the, the uh, clothing, everything. So he says you need to be careful to care for your flock. Now, let's just think about what we're talking about. We're talking about sheep and the value of sheep and shepherding. And I'm not advocating that we need to look at people as being profitable, but the truth is every person who is a sheep, a lost sheep, has the potential to become a found sheep, who has the potential to become a ministering, helpful sheep, and in reality, every sheep has the potential to become a shepherd. And I'm not talking about evolution. Sheep don't evolve into shepherds. But let's go back to Matthew chapter 9 and look at who we're talking about. We're talking about the apostles. These apostles, Jesus sent out as shepherds. He said, the, the, the harvest is great, the labors are few, they're like sheep without a shepherd, I'm going to send you out. These apostles who were sent out as shepherds were also sheep. They were sheep that were lost, sheep that were found, sheep that were saved, sheep that were converted, sheep that were trained, and in God's economy, sheep become shepherds. Sheep actually, sheep who are lost and undone became, become profitable members of a family and profitable members of society. And so sheep are a valuable commodity. And if you're saved tonight, if you're a child of God, no matter how old you are, if you're saved, you're one of God's flock. 
And so I want us to think about this matter of seeing sheep as potential shepherds and seeing ourselves as potential shepherds. And I believe that's how ministry is perpetuated, really. You know, there are people in a church. We, I could stand here tonight and mention people in the church that used to be faithful, active members of a church. And I'm not talking about people who, who have uh, gone out into the world. I'm talking about people who've just lived their long life and the Lord took them home and, and they're greatly missed. I was over there weed-eating uh, the other day. Uh, some of the men in the church, Pastor Weiss was over there, and as we were weed-eating, I was telling some stories behind names on the gravestones. People that we knew, people that we loved, people that have gone on to be with the Lord. The, the point is, when somebody goes on to be with the Lord, if you look at them like a, a they were sheep, they become a minister, they become a shepherd, they become active and involved in the Lord's work, but, but then they're gone. Who takes their place? Sheep ought to be always becoming shepherds. I hope you're with me tonight. Because God wants us to see ourselves like that. We're to always be recruiting sheep, trying to reach people, but we're also ought to always be recruiting shepherds from the flock. That's why Jesus said, pray for more laborers. Pray for laborers. The work of the ministry is compared to shepherding. God is our shepherd. The pastor is our shepherd. But we're all to shepherd others. Before I was ever a pastor, I was a shepherd. Before I was a pastor, I was a shepherd to my family. I was the spiritual leader of my family. Before I was a pastor, I was a shepherd to a bus route. Those weren't just, those weren't just people that we casually know. Those are people we cared for and invited and prayed for and tried to reach them. Before I was ever a pastor, I was a shepherd to a group of teenagers as a youth director. I'm just telling you, pastors or shepherds are not just the people who stand up before the congregation. They're people who are involved in helping people. And God wants more people doing that. The Lord is the shepherd, but he uses people. I was reading today in Psalms. I want you to go there with me, if you would, please. In Psalm 77, and we'll go right to the end of that psalm. But in Psalm 77, in the last verse, the psalmist, speaking to the Lord, said, Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Thou, God, ledest thy people like a flock. God is the shepherd. He's leading his people like they were a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So, so the, we clearly see what we're talking about laid out there. God led his people like a flock. God was their shepherd. But God, how did God lead them? He led them by the hands of Moses and Aaron. He led them by his shepherds who were leading his sheep. God used his people. God uses people to reach people. God uses people to teach people. God uses people to lead people. Have you ever heard anybody say, I've heard people say this numerous times in my life, well, I'm just not a leader. You ever heard anybody say that? I'm just not a leader. But in a way, all of us are leaders. And that's God's design. That's God's plan. We lead in our families. God intended for us to be leaders to our children, 
intends for us to be husbands, to be spiritual leaders to our wives and to our children. If you have a Sunday school class, you ought to be a leader in that Sunday school class. We lead by our example. God wants us to be leaders, and that's really what a shepherd is. A shepherd is someone who leads other people. Um, go, to, go to Luke for, for a moment, if you would. Luke chapter 15. Just talking about seeing ourselves as being shepherds. In Luke chapter 15, in verse 1, says, Then drew near unto him, unto Jesus, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. So you've got a group of people that are just attracted to Jesus, just like a magnet, they come to him. Those are publicans and sinners. You have another group of people in verse 2. That's the Pharisees and the scribes. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man, talking about Jesus, receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So the Pharisees and scribes are criticizing Jesus for associating with sinners. So he spake this parable unto them. Jesus said this to the critics. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. He tells two more parables after that, one about the lost coin, the other about a lost son. But in, the, in, the, in this passage in Luke 15, Jesus is being criticized for being welcoming to sinners. And all of these parables have to do with him about seeking sinners. The first one is about seeking a lost sheep, and then the one is about seeking a lost coin, and then one about the father's son who'd gone astray. And Jesus is likening his ministry to shepherding. He, never, he, just, he just comes back to this over and over and over. He's explaining why he's, he's explaining to them in a way that they can understand why he is so, associating with sinners. Because it's like a shepherd that's looking for sheep. He's looking for sheep. And he, in verse 4, I love the language of verse 4. He says, he goes after that which is lost until he finds it. He's determined to find it. But when he finds it, he rejoices. And what does verse 7 say? I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. The point is, shepherds go after sheep. That's what shepherds do. You're in Luke uh, 15. Go to the right a little further to Luke chapter 19. I won't read this whole passage, but just highlight a few verses. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Jesus is going through Jericho, going on, his, on route to go to Jerusalem where he will go to the cross. He's on his this last trip into Jerusalem uh, to go to Calvary. And as he's going along, there's a man, a wee little man. <laughs> there's a man short of stature who wants to see Jesus and can't get close, so he goes ahead, climbs up into this sycamore tree, 
and waiting for Jesus to come by. In verse 5, if you look there, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Jesus looked up and saw a sheep in the tree and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he did make haste and came down and received him joyfully. Verse 7, and when they saw it, here they are again, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner, criticizing him. And notice what Jesus said in verse 10 in explaining this. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is what shepherds do. Shepherds look for sheep. Shepherds minister to sheep. Shepherds care for sheep. Um, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one. That's what shepherds do. Shepherds restore people. Shepherds love people. Shepherds care for people. Shepherds go after people. That's what shepherds do. And there is a great need for shepherds. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 9. The harvest is great. The labors are few. They're like sheep without shepherds. I want you to go be a shepherd to these people. You know, you can sing in the choir and not be a shepherd. Nothing wrong with singing in the choir. You can even teach a Sunday school class and not be a shepherd. A shepherd gets involved in the sheep's life. A shepherd cares for the sheep like you do for your children. You say, well, my children are different, but, but God puts a concern in our heart for other people's children just like he does for our own children. And there's a great need for shepherds. And I think tonight the, the, the evidence is convincing to me that God intends for sheep that are lost to be found to be saved, and God intends for sheep that are found to be nurtured and, and nourished up and mature until those sheep actually become shepherds who are looking for other sheep. I think that's the, that's the disconnect sometimes among Christians. They, they're glad they're saved. They're glad they're going to heaven. They're glad their sins are forgiven. They're glad God's put their family back together. But when Jesus, when Jesus was helping these people, he just kept seeing more and more people that needed the kind of help that the, those people were getting. And I really believe if we're going to make the difference in our world of influence like we should, we, we need to not just see ourselves as sheep. We are sheep. I'm still a child of God. As sheep, we have a pastor, a shepherd that watches over us. But as sheep, we ought to take responsibility for helping to shepherd other people, for reaching other people and caring for other people. And to do that, we have to see ourselves as being something more than just a sheep, but also as a shepherd. Imagine what if, what if uh, the apostles would have said, you know, what if Matthew, the, who was seated there at the custom and he was 
he, God saved him and changed his life. Imagine he said, well, I'm not going to, I just, I just want, I'm just going to raise my family and I'm going to have a good retirement. And I'm not, I'm not going to really get him. What if that, you say, well, he, God called him. The same God who called him has called all of us. Not in an audible voice, but through his word. Not only has he called us, commanded us to be involved in ministering to people, but he's, but he's also commanded us through his word to pray for God to raise up more people who will minister to other people. We ought to be praying for God to send forth labors into his harvest. There's a difference in just being a Christian, being a saint, being a child of God, and being willing to shepherd other people. That implies, that implies responsibility. You know, one of the reasons I think, and I may be wrong about this, but I think one of the reasons people are reluctant sometimes to get involved in ministry is they just don't want the responsibility. It doesn't take a lot of responsibility just to show up at church. Now, some people may think they've done a great service when they do that, but it takes responsibility to say, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I want to become more involved in this person's life. I'm going to try to get them into a Bible study, or I'm going to try to help get them to church, or I'm going to help try to get them grow in the Lord. That's exactly what God wants us to do. In the text, the shepherds who were once sheep, who were still under the chief shepherd, the, they were to pray for more shepherds, more laborers. There's so many opportunities. Min, I'm talking about now ministry opportunities. I, I think first, I, I think our first duty, responsibility as Christians is to be a witness, to share with other people, to get the gospel out to other people. But through the ministries of the church, whether it's a Sunday school class, whether it's a bus route, a bus route doesn't grow because we drive a vehicle down the street. It grows because people are out there knocking on doors and inviting people and following up on people and get to know people and build the trust of families. Or the addiction ministry which is a great ministry, a valuable ministry. Why, I, why, why would a person not want to be involved in that ministry? Sometimes because it, takes, it means responsibility. It means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be committed to helping people that are struggling. But that's what shepherds do. That's what shepherds do. You know what? You want your pastor to do that. You want your pastor to be there in touch with you if you're sick or have an issue, you know, you want, and, you, and that's right. The pastor is a shepherd, shepherd, he watches over sheep. But that's what shepherds do. And I'm telling you, God is looking for, God's looking for shepherds. He's looking for sheep. When I got saved, I wasn't looking to be a shepherd. I was a lost lamb, lost as they can be. But God in His grace saved me. And serving Him has not made me any more saved than I was. But He didn't save me so I would just 
spend the next 40 or 50 years of my life just sitting in church and not reach, trying to reach people, not trying to make disciples. And by the way, he didn't save you for that reason either. He saved us that we would serve him. And, 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 and that could take on so many different, so many different uh, levels of how God could use us. My wife and I did something Sunday. We get, don't get to do that often. We visited a church just to sit there and be in church. And, and, I, and I enjoyed it. But one thing I paid attention to was how welcoming the people were or unwelcoming the people were toward a, 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 a person they did not know. Now, I'm, I wasn't a candidate for coming back, but they didn't know that. I say that, and there's probably people here that it would be a rare occasion for you to go up to a stranger and say, look, it's so good to have you today. We're glad you're in our church. You say, why would I, why would I do that? Because we're trying to reach people. We're trying to make people feel at home. We're trying to be welcoming to people. It's not difficult, folks. <laughs> it's just we got to think outside of ourselves. And think about other people. God's looking for people. He, Jesus didn't say, pray, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth spectators to watch others bring in the harvest. No. Pray therefore the Lord that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. Shepherding is work. Caring for people is work. Feeding the flock is work. He's looking for people who will help just by their example and by their influence. Teenager, hear me tonight. There, there are people in this room that would have a much greater influence on teenagers coming back to church than I could. You know who it is? It's teenagers. Teenagers who welcome people. Teenagers who say, it's good to have you. Teenagers who say, won't you come back next Sunday and come to Bible study? I'm just telling you, we're in the business of reaching people. And we've got to get over the fact of just thinking it's just about me and me getting fed and me being encouraged and I hope the preacher can push the right button tonight. It's not, a, you know, it's, it's more than that. It's being, it's being nurtured and strengthened so that we can help other people. That's the Christian life. Right? That's the Christian life. I would like to, I would like to say tonight that if, if Jesus took his disciples and while they're watching him healing every sickness and every manner of disease and driving demons out of people and giving people purpose and they're watching him and then he said, here's my burden. We need more people doing what I'm doing. The reality is that's, that's where we live today. We need to all be doing the stuff. I'm not advocating you start a healing line or send out prayer cloths. But I'm advocating all of us sign up. Lord, I want to be a shepherd. I want to help people. I want to minister to people.
Not because Pastor Smith said so, but because God says so. That's what God is looking for. And if you're not saved, you're not yet a sheep. And you need the shepherd. By the way, I'm, I'm soon be 68 years old and been, in, and been serving the Lord for a lot of years, but I still need a shepherd. I still need the Lord shepherding over me. You never, as a sheep, you never get over being a sheep. But you can become a shepherd while you're a sheep. Let's stand together.